0: Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the
1: sun shone down on the garden of Eden. about twenty nine people with us, and we'll uh, we'll we'll start live streaming as soon as the clock strikes five. I'm in New Jersey, by the way, as you can see behind me, that's uh, Downtown Trenton. Um, oh, there's Hetty. Hi, Hetty. How are you doing? Uh Steve, let me know when we're oh, we're live. Are we recording, Steve? Yep. All right, it's five o'clock Eastern time. Hello, everybody. This is Harvey Sluggo Washerman, back with the 129th. Count them, 129. Uh Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition call. Uh, we have uh, 27 people with us, which is The amount of money that, yeah, that was the average donation to Bernie's campaign is $27. So it's a a good, important number. We have a really packed uh, show, as always, today. We're going to start in the first hour with election issues, uh, democracy issues, as we usually do. Uh, We're going to briefly mention the Wisconsin uh, 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 Supreme Court race. Uh, the guilty, guilty, guilty pleas in Ohio on the very uh, Householder bribery case, which set the price for the Ohio. It's good we have a firm price for what it costs to buy or rent a legislature. Uh, the, the price in Ohio turns out to be $61 million, and uh, the, the perps have been found guilty. We'll get to that in a minute. We have uh, Frank Knapp with us from uh, a Business for Democracy a very interesting group. And then we're gonna go to uh, Maya Van Rosten uh, uh, from, is Maya with us, uh, Wendy? Do we see Maya yet? Not yet, okay. Uh, She's from the Green Referenda Group. We're gonna talk a bit about fascism in Florida or defascism in Florida. Uh, And uh, then we're gonna also, uh, there's a breaking story this week was really interesting. A former FBI agent has come forward uh, out of guilt, apparently, and has dis- is discussing that the American Indian movement was infiltrated uh, by the FBI in the COINTELPRO operation, uh, with which I'm very familiar, having been in a group that was also infiltrated. And the purpose of the um, of the FBI infiltration of of AIM was to quote get them to shoot each other. That's what the FBI was trying to do in the American Indian movement was to get Uh, the people in the AIM, uh, to shoot each other. Uh, And then the second hour, uh, we're going to do, as we always do, uh, environmental issues. Uh, We're going to start with the discussion of Fukushima. Uh, We're going to talk about the horrors of the spill in Ohio. And we're also going to talk about the the cliff that Joe Biden has just walked over uh, approving the drilling in the Arctic. It's outrageous and really... A defining moment uh, uh, for Joe Biden, which in not not in a good way, in any way, shape, or form. So uh, that's that's that'll be our two hours. We're going to go beyond. Uh, we are hosted by Wendy Lederman, Maya Maya Reason, uh, uh Steve Caruso, and Mike Hirsch, uh, and, and we also joined by the great Dick Christ. Dick, uh, good to see you. Dick is the co-publisher with Sharon Kyle of the very powerful and important laprogressive.com, which really great to have them with us. I want to again mention uh, the loss of our great, great friend and cohort, uh, Jerry Manperl, somebody who's completely irreplaceable in our hearts and in our work. And uh, Jerry, we miss you, brother. And um, you got the link, Jerry, if you want to tune in from uh, the great beyond, we'd be glad to have you with us. So let's move ahead now. I do wanna mention very quickly, the Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court race, which we've discussed uh, in in detail on these calls, uh, the uh, Center for Common Ground uh, is doing postcards. I did get an email from um, uh, the great uh, Andrea Miller, who leads uh, uh, the Center for Common Ground. They are looking still for people to uh, sign postcards and to send postcards into Wisconsin to let people know and to encourage them to come out and vote in this all important Supreme Court race, state Supreme Court in Wisconsin. And I will say in in keeping with the tradition of total irrelevance uh, of the Democratic Party, I've received this week two, count of two emails soliciting funds for the reelection of the Democratic Senator of Wisconsin, which is all perfectly fine, except that race is in the fall of 2024. And here we are in the spring of 23, the Supreme Court race is April 4th in Wisconsin, and they're not raising money for that. They're raising money for a race a year and a half away. Um, and you know we'll see, the Democrats probably won't give significant funding or organizational strength to this incredibly important, a very partisan Democratic race, uh, Democratic and Republican versus Republican race for the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. So thank you, Democratic Party, once again for wasting our time and money. And um, uh, we are nonpartisan here. Uh, we we slam both parties, and in this case, once again, the Democratic Party uh, is blowing it and um, and diverting our attention and our money away from the Supreme Court race April 4th towards a race that is uh, next next year, uh, it's unreal. So people who are interested, committed to wanting to get involved with the Democratic uh, and versus Republican Supreme Court race in Wisconsin, please contact the Center for Common Ground. Uh, I think it's .org, Center for Common Ground. They need volunteers and they are also nonpartisan uh, to get out the vote in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. So please do do that. Uh, it will be very important. I also wanna, you know, we got to celebrate sometimes. And as Steve Caruso can tell us there in Ohio, uh, there has been a court case, a, a jury trial in um, Cincinnati of Larry Householder and uh, another guy, I can't remember who it is, Steve, maybe you remember, uh, for, uh, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Borges, What's that?
2: Borges. Borges.
1: Yeah, Borges is the guy's name for taking $61 million, count them, $61 million to flip the Ohio legislature to give a billion dollar bailout to the Davis Bessie and Perry nuclear plants, the mistakes by the lake. Uh, and they've been found guilty. And they're facing long prison terms. So I don't want to celebrate anybody going to prison, but I will celebrate this uh, this verdict, which very clearly nails the, uh, the Speaker of the Ohio House for taking $61 million from the uh, utility, which has been named and renamed and renamed and now bought. I'm not even going to try to explain who the owners of these two nuclear plants on Lake Erie are, are. But these guys uh, uh, bribe them. There he is, very Householder, as you can see. He's begun to adjust to wearing orange uh, with the hat anyway. And uh, he looks like he lost some weight, but uh, he'll certainly lose more weight as he goes off to prison. And uh, there you go, found guilty facing up to 20 years. So there may be some justice in America. We'll see what happens on the appeal, but there we go. Um uh so we're now gonna be uh, we're joined by Maya Van Rossimore and also Carolina from Florida. Uh we're gonna start, we're gonna get to you next, Maya, after we talk with Frank Knapp. Frank, you are the uh, founder and leader uh, of Businesses for Democracy. So well, that's like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for letting me be on. And I've enjoyed your conversation so far. Okay, uh, go ahead. So Frank, tell us what you're about. Give you ten minutes here, and, and then we'll go to Maya von Rossmoar. But uh, tell us, friend, uh, what, what are you, what's your group about? So uh, I've been a
0: part of the American Sustainable Business Network uh, for over ten years. I served on this board. Uh, one of the one of the planks of the American Sustainable Business Network is is democracy. Uh, in March of last year, uh, I um, became the director of their national campaign, Business for Democracy. And we established eight uh, small business collaboratives, business for democracy collaboratives, in eight states. And our purpose was to raise the voice of small business to say how important it is to maintain a, a strong democracy. Because without a strong democracy, you're not going to have a, a vibrant entrepreneurial economy. Uh, so that's what we were working on in 2022. And, and we had, you know, we had some success of, of raising the voice. Uh, And now in 2023, we're looking at what we can do in that we're not gonna have a Congress that's gonna pass any voting rights uh, anytime soon. So we're really gonna start focusing on what the states can do uh, to prop up uh, their democracy. And we're looking strongly at working with groups like Rank the Vote and Fair Vote uh, in in getting a business uh, angle at uh, advocating for ranked choice voting. Uh, and hopefully some of you all know what what that is. So uh, that's what this is all about. This is all about uh, businesses need to be a participant in supporting democracy. Uh, That's what we're doing with our Business for Democracy campaign, a campaign of the American Sustainable Business Network, and and I've been fortunate enough to uh, direct it and look forward to doing more in 2023 and
1: 2024. So you know that for a business to advocate democracy in Florida, you could get arrested.
0: <laughs> Hi.
1: Well, you know, and that's the problem. I mean, we have example of what an
0: autocracy is. We don't have to look at Russia or to Hungary to see what an autocracy is about. It's about one party rule, strongman rule. Uh, and when you get in a situation like we have in Florida, where we have a uh, uh, an aut- autocrat as a governor, a fascist, uh, and we have a lapdog legislature that does whatever he wants them to do. He does whatever he wants to do and calls it the law, uh, and th- that is not good for anybody. And it's not good for business. Uh, business can't it needs to have a voice in policy that's being developed. And there is no voice of business uh, developing policy in Florida. It's
1: all what's coming out of uh, Governor DeSantis's mouth. Well, fantastic. So, how long is your organization? Are we, will you post your uh links in the chat please <clears throat> so that everybody knows yeah. how to get a hold of you and yeah you just had, yeah you had it on the screen a while ago
0: yeah you. but it
1: needs to go in the chat so people can download the uh the link uh, we have 51 people with us and uh it's really great to hear about this um and where are you based well i'm in columbia south
0: carolina i also happen to be the uh CEO and co-founder of the South Carolina Small Business Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I I co-founded that back in the year 2000. So we've been around for 23 years. We're the black sheep of the Chamber
1: family. because We we typically come down to the side of progressive issues. That's amazing. That's really interesting. Um, uh, And what kind of businesses are, are involved with your organization? Well, ours in South Carolina,
0: we have... Yeah, we're all over the place. And the same with uh, American Sustainable Business Network. They've been around since 2009. Uh, There there are businesses that believe in democracy. They believe in uh, having an inclusive economy. Uh, They believe in protecting the environment. They're there. It's just the public has been fooled into thinking that all businesses, all they want to do is is reap profit and and screw everybody. Uh, That's not
1: who belongs to our organizations. (laughs) That's a that you know that'd be a great bumper sticker reap profit and screw everybody uh that's the American way <laughs> really good uh, uh John Steiner you're involved with a lot of progressive businesses uh you you might want to meet this guy uh Frank Knapp uh, and be in touch with him especially for the uh the thresholders and the uh and uh the the uh, progressive business organizations uh, I don't know if you know John Steiner Frank but I don't know, but I'd love I'd love you uh, to contact me, John. So yeah, please get in touch with, with, with Frank. John. I
2: work real closely with Richard Idlen and Business oh, for America.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm on their advisory board, and do put your uh, email address in the chat. I will. I will do that right and, now. And, yes, and, and I've known David Levine for a long time.
0: Yeah, those were the two co one of the uh, two of the co founders of the American Sustainable Business Council way yes. back in 2009.
2: Well, bless. Uh, Bless all you're doing, particularly in a Southern state.
0: Well, we're, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard.
2: Ch- challenging, at least.
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to put, I'll put my uh, email in the chat for you.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We
1: know Thanks, that, Harvey. Uh, yeah. Good, good connection. Uh, we know that since uh, Florida has since taken the mantle, uh, but South Carolina has uh, historically been the most uh, right-wing state in the country. You were the first to, secede from the union so um uh i guess um i guess everybody goes to fort sumter and celebrates uh (laughs) whatever but anyway frank it's great to have you on with us anything else you want to say to our our group of great activists and and well
0: well, if you're going to come down to south carolina celebrate uh you know the the confederacy or or the war between the states as they call it and you want to go to fort sumter you better get here quick before uh sea level rise Takes away for something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, it's great to have you on, Frank. Wendy, very good. Uh, thank you for getting Frank uh, into the call. We really appreciate that. And Frank, keep coming back with us. Uh, we 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 appreciate your presence and the work you do. Thank
0: you. I appreciate that, and I uh, thank you for
1: showing me the new coast of uh, New Jersey. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, also, so I want to comment on the weather here. We see Paul Newman, uh, who is in Los Angeles sitting in his house in a winter coat. Um, uh, it's what, in the 40s or 50s in LA. And then, when it's in the 40s, I know this sounds wimpy, but when it's in the 40s in LA, it is really cold. And none of the houses have heat. So, uh, 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 Paul, our our condolences to you. Uh, I I escaped to um, a su- summery, sultry, uh, New Jersey, uh, where I'm talking to you for, for now. Where it's equal, it's about the same temperature right now in New Jersey as it is in LA, but at least we have heat in the house. So, um, at any rate, um, that's great, Frank. Really great to connect with you. Um, uh, now I wanna get, uh, Wendy, do you wanna in, introduce uh, Maya uh, to our to our group? Uh, I we're, like- we're joined, by the way, by the great Dennis Bernstein from um, uh, uh, the Flashpoint show. Uh, in, in Berkeley and uh, uh, San Francisco Bay. Uh, Dennis, great to have you with us. Um, and uh, Maya, um, uh, well, Wendy, do you want to tell us about Maya, please?
3: Sure. Thank you, and sorry. Some noise just started right outside here. Uh, Um, it's so great to have Maya. It's such an awesome honor to have her. Yes, this is her amazing book on green amendments for the generations. And the one word I think of when I think of Maya, besides friendly and just wonderful energy, is just revolutionary. What she's doing is just incredible. We've been speaking recently about citizens initiatives and ballot amendments and the power that they have and Maya is an expert in this she's had some amazing victories that you could read I highly recommend everyone read this book really um all of her different victories on the ways that um citizens can take back the power from legislatures that have just gone rogue and um she's a member of the um the Delaware River Keepers um and of the Delaware River Basin. Um, She's an attorney and this amazing author and I'm just gonna pass it off to her now. And um, everyone just pay much attention and get her book. I can't recommend it enough.
1: (laughs) Maya, it's great to see you. Where are you, Maya?
4: Um, I am physically standing in Pennsylvania right now and blushing because Wendy, who's such an awesome advocate and has just recently shared with me some really valuable tools that we've put on our Green Amendment for the Generations website, to have her introduce me that way just makes me blush. And I should leave before I like undermine your perception of me.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, Wendy, uh, put the uh, uh, link uh, to your organization in the chat. And uh, tell us what you do, please.
4: So, um, so there's sort of I wear two hats. For the for the last 30 years, I've had the honor of serving as the Delaware Riverkeeper and leader of a four state organization called the Delaware Riverkeeper Network that engages in advocacy and litigation to fight the good fight for the beautiful Delaware River. But through the course of that 30 years of advocacy and activism, you know, I, like so many people in the environmental arena, have experienced not just how our environmental protection laws across Across our nation fundamentally fail us, but how they actually betray us and really sell out our communities to um, feed dirty fossil fuel industries and industrial operations and developers and help them, like the previous business operator said, you know, help bad um, business actors reap profits at the expense of, of the people. And during and also during the course of my work, I, um, I and my organization ach- achieved a really amazing victory, where we were able to defeat a very pro-fracking industry piece of legislation passed by the Pennsylvania legislature and signed by the Pennsylvania governor um, back in 2012. It was a really devastating law that we had to defeat, but because it had. Um, come through the democratic system, right, being passed by the legislature and signed by the governor, what are your options to challenge it? Protests and things were not going to save the day for us. We needed a legal challenge. And we recognized that in the Bill of Rights section of the Pennsylvania Constitution, there was this long ignored right of the people to pure water, clean air, and a healthy environment. And we grabbed hold of that constitutional environmental rights amendment what I now call a green amendment and challenged that pro fracking law. And in December of 2013 we defeated that law, because it was determined that it would violate the environmental rights amendment, the green amendment of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Um, If we didn't have that amendment, that law would still be standing today in its entirety, in the wake of that victory. I assessed the Pennsylvania um, Constitutional Environmental Rights Amendment and, and to determine what was unique about it. Why were we able to achieve this powerful victory? And I sort of made a list and I looked at every constitution across the nation and found that there was only one other constitution, one other state, Montana at the time who lifted up environmental rights to this same highest constitutional level. And I decided That I was going to change that and I was going to try to inspire and help communities across the nation seek and secure constitutional green amendments of this caliber that would literally protect the environmental rights of the people of the state in the same most powerful way that we protect other fundamental rights like free speech and freedom of religion. And so for the last number of years, in addition to being the Delaware Riverkeeper, I have been leading the National Green Amendments for the Generations movement to try to accomplish this goal. We have a Green Amendment proposal advancing in the state of Florida. It's called the Florida Right to Clean Water. If you don't know about it. You better. Um, There's also you uh, mentioned, Harvey, that you were in New Jersey, there's a Green Amendment proposal in New Jersey, we secured one in the state of New York just last year. And there are about 10 other states where Green Amendment proposals have been put forth um, and are advancing at this time. So that's what my book, the Green Amendment is about. That's what Green Amendments for the Generations is all about. And that's what I have the honor of working on. um, In addition to being the Delaware Riverkeeper.
1: So let me ask you, what are the tangible legal implica- ramifications of having a Green Amendment on the books? What What does it get you?
4: Yeah, what it gets you? Well, well, first off, what I do say to people is just think how powerfully our rights to free speech and freedom of religion, how powerfully gun rights are protected because they're given highest constitutional recognition and protection in our state and federal laws. All the same kinds of powerful protections you get for those other fundamental rights, you now get for the right to a clean, safe and healthy environment. So if your government officials pass a law, pass a regulation, issue a permit, take an action that will violate you know, rise to that highest constitutional level and violate the rights of the people to a clean, safe and healthy environment as articulated in the Bill of Rights section of their constitution through their green amendment, then that government action can now be challenged on constitutional grounds, right? Like right now, as long as your, um, your industrial operators or developers are, are, are undertaking their, you know, pollution spewing, environmentally degrading activities in a way that complies with the law, they're golden, right? Because it's all very legal. But um, but we all know that as our laws are written and implemented, there's tremendous sacrifice of our communities, right? People are drinking poison water and breathing toxic air and forced to live next to highly contaminated sites that are literally devastating their lives, but it's all perfectly legal if you have a constitutional right to a clean water clean air a stable climate healthy environments now even that very legal activity, if it violates your human right to a clean, safe and healthy environment, you have the opportunity to do something about it through advocacy or litigation. If there's a gap in the law, like when it comes to PFAS, where there is no law that is regulating the use of a contaminant. And as a result, it's proliferating into the environment in devastating ways. If you have a constitutional right to clean water, for example, Then you can turn to your right to clean water in order to seek and secure um, government action that fills that gap, because you have a right. So even if there isn't legislation on the books, there's something now that you can do about it. When our Green Amendment language right is placed in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution, particularly when we explicitly Mandate the protection of the environmental rights of future generations and mandate that the rights of all people be protected equitably, regardless of race, ethnicity, tribal membership status, gender, geography, or generation. which is what three Amendments do, you now have a constitutional, have constitutional grounding to secure true environmental justice and generational protection in a meaningful, enforceable, constitutional way. So there are all kinds of hypotheticals and people ask me about them all the time and we can go through them, but that's the long and the short of it. Your government has to behave in a way that protects your environmental rights and fulfills their constitutional obligation to protect natural resources for present and future generations. And when they don't, people can turn to the Constitution to try to get a remedy.
1: Can you put the uh, wording of the the amendment into the chat here so people can?
4: I really can't because every state is unique and different. And so Green Amendment language has to fulfill key criteria. Like it has to be in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution. It has to be what we call in the law self-executing, meaning it's enforceable in its own right. It's not that you have a right to clean water as defined by the legislators. No, it's you have a right to clean water and therefore it's enforceable um, on its on its own right. So there are those kinds of key criteria. It has to apply to all levels of government. It can't just hand power to the legislature, for example. So um, when those key criteria are fulfilled and you lift up environmental rights to that highest constitutional standing, then you have a Green Amendment. And what I do is because every state is unique and different in a lot of different ways, um, I go, one of the first things I do is I work with the community or with the legislators to identify the best language for that fulfills, you know, the unique personalities and organizations of that state. As long as they fulfill the key criteria, you know, I'm all in, but but we do have to make sure the constitutional language is language embraced by the people of that state because they're the ones who have to get behind it in order to ultimately secure it.
1: Amazing, fantastic. Um, uh, Mary and then John Steiner. Mary Butler Stonewall and then John Steiner. Mary, are you unmuted? Uh, John, are you unmuted? Yes. Okay, go ahead, John. Uh, I
2: I have fallen in environmental love with you. Are you married, well, John? You're married. I'm married, but just I, I want to make that. sure this that this category. is an appropriate new category for falling in love.
4: Oh, I appreciate that,
2: John. <laughs> um, Harvey and Maya, would this be a way to shut down nuclear power plants? Maya,
4: so,
1: what
2: do you
4: think? Yeah, so I mean, it really depends on you know what your argument is. You're not gonna come in and pass a green amendment. And then, you know, like writ large, suddenly all the things that we don't like go away, even in Pennsylvania, you know, when we, when we breathed legal life into Pennsylvania's green amendment, we didn't instantly get rid of fracking, right? I mean, it still happens in the state and we're still having to work using our green amendment to hold that industry accountable because the industry was there before we had a living, breathing, thriving green amendment, right? So now we are sort of having to, claw back the ground. So when it comes to any industry, we're we're, you know, we have to look at the particular situation and we have to find the government action that we're challenging. If it's an existing nuclear power plant and there's a new permit that's been issued or or some sort of approval that's allowing that nuclear power plant to operate in ways that where we can make an argument that there it's rising to you know the level of a constitutional violation then we can challenge that government action or activity that's allowing that that particular facility to perpetuate in a way that's having these devastating consequences. On the other hand, it's going to be really different if we're talking about, like, they're talking about Harvey in New Jersey on the banks of the Delaware River, talking about a new power plant, perhaps located in the floodplain right along the banks of a river where storm surge will come in and could put that nuclear power plant seven feet underwater, right? If there was a Green Amendment in that state, You can see those are some of the facts. In case you're wondering, if there was a green amendment in existence in that state, then we would be arguing to use that amendment right against the approval of such a devastating project in such a devastating place, using such devastating operations. So it all depends on what we're talking about and where we're talking about it, and what would be the ramifications on how the green amendment could or would or may not you know, help us.
2: Uh, Maya, two other quick questions. Are you yep. working at all with the folks at represent.us? Do you know them?
4: No, I don't know them, but I would like to know them if they would like to get involved in the movement.
2: Well, they do statewide initiative and referendum more on the rounds of structural democracy, but it would be great. Take a look, it's represent.us. You'll get a sense of what they're up to. And uh, Wendy and I would be happy to make that introduction. And then lastly, do you have a team of lawyers you're working with around the country on this? How much is you and how much is part of a collaboration?
4: Yeah, so everything's a collaboration, but it's a collaboration with the people in the state. Um, and you know, it's quite interesting to me, even constitutional lawyers for the most part don't really understand how a green amendment works. So I, I'm always in very um, deeply in the mix. Um, But it depends on the leadership in the state. For example, in in Florida, we have this amazing group of attorneys that really get it, as well as activists, right, and volunteer leaders that really get it. And so I sort of pop in, you know, as, as needed, whereas in New Mexico and Nevada and New Jersey, I'm very, very involved on literally a daily, a weekly basis, Um, I will tell you, one of my biggest problems right now, as powerful as this idea is, as transformational as it is, believe it or not, I cannot get the foundations to fund it. So um, I I would love to have a team of lawyers working with me um, and, you know, activists and environmental justice leaders, but instead I have a very small group um, that, you know, where it really is me sort of going in, but in every state, Again, it's about supporting and building up the leadership and the collaboration in that state. So in Florida, there is this amazing collaboration of leaders and volunteers and lawyers, you know, that have really grabbed the reins and are very powerfully advancing this idea through initiative. Again, it's the Florida right to clean water for those who haven't heard about it. Whereas in other states, the the, the leadership is... Sometimes it's smaller, sometimes it's bigger, sometimes it's more individuals, sometimes it's more organizations, sometimes it's more the progressive legislators. Every state, again, has its own personality. I truly try to work with the communities in that state to help them get what they need to make this happen.
2: And are you working in Colorado?
4: So interestingly enough, there has been expressions of interest. I won't go work in a state unless I'm invited in. I consider myself like a vampire, right? Like you have to invite me in the door and then I'll come work with you wholeheartedly, um, although not suck your blood. Um, But I do have to be invited in because, again, I'm not going to make this happen in Colorado. The people of Colorado are going to make it happen. So we've had expressions of interest from Colorado. I've been there a number of times to speak with organizations and individuals, but there has yet to be an individual or a group that steps up and says, hey, Maya, really want to partner up to make this happen here. So as of yet, just interest in Colorado, but not an active movement.
2: And do you work at all with state attorney generals to help make this happen?
4: I definitely would love to work with state attorneys general. Um, The unfortunate thing is most of them, Oppose the Green Amendment. Interestingly enough, um, just this week, last couple of weeks, I've been working to really help the New Mexico Attorney General understand how beneficial the amendment will be, and sort of get him to actually change his stance of opposition on the amendment, which we are doing. But look at Hawaii. Look, at, I mean, you can look at a number of states where attorneys general officially go on the record. And it is quite surprising that they don't see this as the same powerful value added that the Pennsylvania Attorney General, now Governor Josh Shapiro, actually experienced. He would constantly refer to the Pennsylvania Green Amendment when bringing enforcement um, actions. And Mike Hirsch, your question about can we do this at the municipal level, by definition, No, because the municipality can't, you know, pass a constitutional amendment. Although, if you get the state constitutional amendment, it will apply at the municipal level. And of course, a municipality can try to implement this concept within their own boundaries. But again, by definition, um, what they would be doing would be different. Sure. uh, uh, Would you
2: put your email in chat? I'd love to follow up with you both on Colorado. And with fundraising.
1: Well, I got to uh, slightly contradict you there, Maya. Uh, I lived in a town and we were trying to stop a McDonald's. <laughs> and there, we don't have a, didn't have a constitution in Bexley. We had a charter and we passed a charter amendment banning drive through restaurants. And we defeated the McDonald's that way. So you can get... No, no,
4: you can absolutely you can get powerful protection at the municipal level but right. i'm just saying by definition you can't get a constitutional green amendment because a municipality can't amend its constitution but you're right no, municipalities you can, do no you can't because that has to be done through the constitutional amendment process which is a statewide effort, but you can get powerful protections that would apply within that municipality. On the other hand, the risk, the the, the additional challenge that you face is there is, you know, there is preemption by the state legislature, not for everything, but for lots of things or for most things. And so if you do it at the municipal level, you do it by charter, Actually, always you will find you could find yourself at odds with the state, whereas if it's in the state constitution and you ground your charter initiative in your state constitutional obligation to protect environmental rights and natural resources, you are in a dramatically stronger place should you find yourself at odds with the state legislature on what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Well, let's just say uh, I hope you come into Ohio and do it there. But in the Well, meantime, there's been
4: interest in Ohio, no movement yet, but there has but, been, like Colorado, some interest, but no, no action. But, but like I said, there. if you go to the Green Amendment website, we just, in the last two weeks, a proposal in Texas, a proposal in Nevada, and a proposal in Tennessee. All
1: right, well, you need to come to California as well. Where and
4: California, no interest, but no action yet.
1: All right. Um, uh, Mary, uh, and then uh, uh, Baba and Justin. Mary Stonewall, please, are you unmuted? Uh, Baba, are you unmuted? I think you're. they're both muted, and Justin also. I all one, right, here I am. am. All right, go ahead. Will you unmute uh, Baba and Justin as well? Go ahead, Mary, real quickly, please.
5: Um, with our one gal talking about Constitution and green uh, deals and all that, um, ma'am, I've been uh, Working in building code reform for sustainability since I was five years old, and I am fifty-seven okay. years old. And I want you to look at something that you haven't looked at yet when you're talking about constitutional uh, how the Constitution plays into the green and building the for sustainability. Declaration You're right. Some of which are like land, property, prosperity. Those right there, it's an inside EPA code because of Dow Chemical or I don't know, water land that you live on as an infringement on your inherent national rights as a citizen to life and prosperity. Okay. So yes. I, I would yeah. love you to check out some of my stuff on that, and then when... Uh,
1: Okay. Uh, I
5: just really need to understand that this everything, the last three subjects that we've had when we talked about Fukushima and building code reform and sustainable and building green, I am your guru and you guys haven't tapped into (laughs) me yet. I have 52 years in this. Okay, Mary. You haven't had me on as a speaker yet.
1: Send send your uh, uh, stuff to um, um, Amaya, be in touch with her. And uh, you are. I already did. um, I already sent it to her private message. Okay, thank you so much, Mary, we appreciate it. Uh, Baba and then Justin, Baba Akili? Yes,
6: my name's Akili and uh, uh, I am a project coordinator with uh, Corporate Accountability and we've been working with uh, the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition and these sound like, uh, these approaches sound like uh, useful uh, tactics that can be used um the other thing that that i am i'm the national field coordinator with black lives matters grassroots and a candidate for the california state assembly and so what you are proposing in terms of uh practical applications on how to move the green how to move how to advance the the green movement is tremendously helpful and has been just educational in the few minutes that i've been on but i want to circle back how could um resist you know Mississippi is just, the state is resisting doing anything uh, to, to really support the people in Jackson uh, around their water issue. Uh, how have you all, and it's a, it's a super red state, so how have you all been able to uh, move the issues in, um, in, in these red states? Uh, and as a candidate, one of the things that I would like to talk about uh, is a green, Approach a green a statewide green approach because I think it would be a fight in the assembly so anyway, if you would give me information about that um and how do you all work in these red states to uh to advance a water green initiative or a green water initiative so Great thanks research. for that.
4: Great question. And and I think that, you know, a c- couple of answers. First off, different states have different approaches for um, constitutional amendment. Most of them, you can do it legislatively. So the legislature passes an amendment proposal once or twice, and then it goes to the people and you bypass the governor, right? And so some of it, you know, depends on the dynamics of the state. There are also a number of states, and Wendy has provided this really great tool to me, and it's on the ForTheGenerations.org resources page. You'll find it where she's identified all of her and her team have identified all of the um, the states where you could you could advance a constitutional amendment by ballot initiative, which is the way it is happening. Um, Um, In the state of Florida right where it's about getting the number of signatures to support it and you go through the process a little bit differently. Um, So part of what we assess from the get go when I go and work with the community is, which is the approach that we want to take legislative or you know people power right through a people's initiative. And then we start to work that angle always, of course, being flexible for adjustment, if that becomes. um, appropriate or value added. That's sort of number one. Number two, um, I always try to stress that whatever our green amendment strategies are, they have to be value added to the kind of battles that you talked about, Baba, things that are already happening in a state. We don't want to take power away or energy away from the battles that are happening right now that will be benefited by a green amendment when it's passed. But of course we have to get it passed. so we always try to work on changing the language and blending our green amendment movement in a way that helps lift up and strengthen the battles that are already happening. So we have sort of synergistic value added fundraising I always try, you know, when I talk with a funder to say you need to like help support the people on the ground and their current battles, as well as adding a green amendment to what they're already doing That's sort of a second. Um, tenant of how I do it um, a third is the leadership must be diverse in every category race, gender, age, geography right so we have multiple voices and we're always building leadership voices, regardless of political affiliation it's really about their perspective on the ground right so by having this diverse array of voices. We sort of always have somebody who's able to talk with everybody in a, in that decision making um, placement, whether it's a legislator or somebody who's trying to decide individually how they're going to vote on a ballot if they have a green amendment proposal before them. And then the fourth thing is um, really just to make clear, this is not a partisan issue, okay. right? No matter how conservative you are, you need clean water and clean air that's toxic, you know cancer cancer chemical free um, in order to have a healthy life, right? So we so we really do try to make clear this is about all people and helping all of us live healthy, happy lives and trying to make sure that the conservative farmer understands what they get out of this. In the same way that somebody who lives in an urban community understands it, understanding, there are some audiences we will never reach. I am never going to reach the, you know, the 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 frac fracking industry board member. So I'm not going to bother to try to reach them until they suffer some unfortunate personal circumstance that suddenly makes them open up their ears and care. On the other hand. Um, You know, we do really, I've been amazed how many people one would presume would be opposed to this because in every other facet of their life, they're very conservative thinking. But yet when it comes to just understanding this basic fundamental, we all need clean, healthy water coming out of our faucet. They get it. And they care and they will be supportive of this movement where they're not supportive of other environmental movements. So I try not to have any preconceived notions. And I do understand that it's not a value to waste my time with people who don't want to listen, but I never presume they don't want to listen because it's quite amazing how many people really do. And they really care about their families and their communities Um, if we just give them a chance to, to have a conversation with us.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Akili, uh, very quickly, you said you're running for assembly in California. Where are you? Where's your district?
6: I'm in Los... Hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, and I've been involved in um, rate, social justice, racial justice, uh, and economic justice advocacy over the past 50 years. I've worked with the farm workers. Uh, I'm lucky to start this. This project with Dolores Huerta on my side, uh, and like I said, I'm I'm currently the the national field coordinator for Black Lives Matter, and on the leadership team of Black Lives Matters LA. Um, but Good. so so, I would certainly like to have details about either an initiative or legislation. Uh, and one of the things I've observed is that sometimes if you uh, propose that you know, as a statewide initiative, it can help the um, the the legislative process um, because they're willing. The, the legislators uh, would would rather do it themselves than have the people do it.
4: Great, one hundred percent, Bob, and that's why I like. I said I would, whether it's Mississippi or California, you know, I would love to come in and talk with you and say like, who are the right people we need to bring into the room to figure out what's the right language for this state and what's the right strategy. And okay. we would work that out together. Like I wouldn't presume to know, you'll definitely know better. And that's why I would ask you. And so I'd love to come you know, with your, your team um, that you're working with um, at Black Lives Matter or in either of the states. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you about that state and about this concept and how it might be helpful to the challenges that you're facing.
1: Wonderful. And uh, Akili, we we need your help to uh, shut the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. That's the number one uh, environmental issue uh, in everybody's mind in California right now. Myla, you're raising your hand real quick. Yeah, thank you. I Just another
3: follow up with Baba and following on what you said. um, uh, Baba, uh, have you taken a a public position about uh, the shutdown of the Uh, Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant. As you may know, uh, most of the Democrats in the the Assembly and the Senate voted uh, to uh, extend the life of Diablo. And I'm just wondering, what's the number? You're in LA, but what's the uh, Assembly uh, District number?
6: It's uh, Assembly District 57. And because my history goes back to when Tom Hayden was in the California State Assembly and the Diablo uh, Canyon uh, nuclear plant was an issue then, I have been supporting the people in the area and opposed to the continuation of the Diablo Canyon for, for most of my political activism. So, uh, and that goes back to my my work with uh, the, with Tom Hayden uh, and others. So, um, and I'm surprised that over the years we have not been able to finally shut it down. Uh, so that would be something that I would be certainly su- supportive of uh, and want to work. One of the things that, that has to happen is we would have to circle back and begin to educate people about why that needs to happen because it's been a long time now that that has you know it's kind of fallen off the front page, if you will. So, uh, but I, I I know about it. I've been supportive of it, uh, and I've uh, you know Great. worked with people. I, I, I would very
3: I, much I like to I, be in touch with you. Uh, yeah,
1: you got to connect with Marva, please. She's in Santa Monica, so uh, and I think I, I recognize you from. Uh, being in my jail cell in San Luis Obispo back in 84. So uh check, check your check your jail records. Uh we got 63 people with us. It's great to have everybody. Uh this is an excellent Maya, uh Justin LeBlanc and then Wendy, uh and then Eric. Go ahead Justin. Uh
7: so to get kind of strategic uh so that we you know don't derail the train, you know j- joking with the current events. Um and I'm wondering if we are able to be strategic and not just throw spaghetti at the wall and, and say we have to just have conversations and uh, the feasibility of having more conversations, but to get an idea of are there specific ways that we approach people? Is it you know their personal project that... Uh, you know, I, I really like this lake, and I want to protect it, or this river, and I want to protect it. Is it uh, I'm really into water issues in general? Is it I actually believe in global climate change is the major issue, and anything is a that we need to solve? And, you know, how do you avoid tripping hazards like not everybody uh, thinks that even though carbon is the problem, they can get rid of carbon, you know? So how, how do we thread the needle with all this?
4: Well, the, the important thing is first, we got to get started. Now, look, as an as an activist. Right. I don't have time for blathering conversation that doesn't get me anywhere or interesting, even interesting conversation that doesn't get me anywhere. I'm all about how do we get it done. Right. And and as you said, these conversations are an important part of the strategy of how do we get it done? Um, you know, it's a big question you ask. Right. It's all going to depend on the dynamics. It's going to depend on the state. It's going to depend on the language. It's going to depend on the audience that you're talking to. And, and where in the strategy are we? Um, in terms of advancing our Green Amendment in the state. So really, Justin, what I would say is, you know, you're like 10 steps ahead, which is awesome. And if you're in one of my Green Amendment states, that might actually be the step that we're at. But if we're just getting started, like in Mississippi, Mississippi or California, we need to start with getting together that dynamic group of leaders. It can be a small group, but we need to talk language, we need to talk who needs to be at the table and be part of the leadership team. And then we need to develop our strategy. And I don't mean, I'm not like, we don't have to do some big grand strategic plan before we get started. But the strategy has to be okay, step one, we've got this language. We need to start to spread the word and figure out who needs to come to the table, right? We need to, and we do like this iterative step by step approach, working together, figuring out what we need to do, and then doing it. But it all does begin with that question of what's the language, who are the leaders we need to get into the room, and are we doing it through the legislative approach or through a people's initiative, right? Because that dramatically impacts, you know, how that strategy evolves.
1: Great.
7: Uh, Wendy, uh, then we'll do, Jeffrey, you'll get a second. And then Eric, go ahead. Wendy. One group I wanted to propose reaching out to is people involved with something called community choice aggregation. So that's the essentially electric and gas and other energy uh, side of things. Uh, you mentioned water before. You know, this is another avenue for finding leaders. Great.
4: Great. You know, most Green Amendments, Florida is very unique because of its constitutional process, so where you can only pick a single subject, so we really had to focus on water, but all of our other Green Amendment states, it protects the rights to clean water and clean air, healthy soils, healthy ecosystems, stable climate, healthy environment, It, you know, mandates that the state act as a trustee of the natural resources for the benefit of present and future generations. And we have that environmental justice language. So we really have the ability to reach, you know, all activists and all pathways of advancing environmental protection through this really powerful um, strategy of constitutional green amendment protections. You're you're (laughs) muted. My
3: turn, it's Eric. next. My turn, I'm Eric. You're still muted, Harvey. So
2: I guess I'm on. Um, hi. No, uh, Eric, I'm you're two- not.
3: You're still on stack. It's me and then Jeffrey and then you. Um, But we're trying to get Harvey to unmute. He's having some difficulty there. Let me see if I can help you with huh, that. Re- Harvey,
1: you're That's good. There mm-hmm. we go. OK, uh, Wendy, then Jeffrey for a minute and then uh, Eric. And then Maya, we're going to say goodbye to you at the top of the hour. So um, uh, anybody else have a question for Maya? Uh, uh, Please, please jump in. Go ahead, Wendy.
3: Thank you. Um, I told you guys she was amazing. I'm so excited to have her here. and we will definitely have you back at some point when we get some updates and figure out further. Um, I do want to mention that um, a lot in her book does talk about a lot of the frontline communities where people like have no choice but to live where they're being poisoned on a daily basis. And then when people do try to go through the court system, then they're still shut down because the legislature is bought out by the corporations. Um, someone mentioned Dolores Huerta. Unfortunately, Tatanka is not here today. I think it's his birthday, actually. But um, we work in another group with the Dolores Huerta Foundation, so we'll connect with that. Um, I wanted to ask Maya, and I, I'm going to just quickly, quickly read a short part of the um the Pennsylvania amendment so people have a clear idea of it. But then I want to ask because in the book you talk about the way that um. Like dredging to expand waterways for traffic is, um, imp- like, it's impairing. Like the, the sturgeon, the Delaware sturgeon or the Atlantic sturgeon, has been around for like hundreds of millions of years, and it's about to go extinct because of our practices. I'm just gonna um, really quickly read this part real quick. The people, this, this is just Pennsylvania. The people have a right to clean air, pure water, and the preservation of the natural, scenic, historic, and aesthetic values of the environment. Pennsylvania's public natural resources are the common property of all people, including generations yet to come. As trustees of these resources, the Commonwealth shall conserve and maintain them for the benefit of all people. So that's a start. And so, yeah, if you want to talk about just the frontline communities and the endangered species and how in practice this would actually work, because again, um, and, and sorry, um, we had Chuck O'Neill uh, last year a couple of times where he, um, in Orlando, Orange County, they passed a Rights in Nature ordinance And he's fighting in court right now because the state went and preempted it even though they had 89% of the vote. So that's the power of what she's doing. No legislature, no rogue government can come and preempt it no matter who they think they are. Thank you so much, Maya.
4: Thank you, you, Lenny, that's awesome.
1: Uh, Jeffrey, I'm mute Jeffrey. Eric, you're unmuted. Go ahead real quickly, please.
2: Uh, Which first, Jeffrey or Eric? (laughs) Go ahead, Eric. Okay, so first quick point is um, I, I want people to know that Achilles is an amazing person, met him in 1988 on the Jackson campaign, and he's been an advisor and a mentor for 35 years, very trustworthy, people who want to help him really ought to consider it, he's wonderful. Question um, for the guests. Um, I, some of the smartest people I talk to about climate are very, I think it's very important to put a price on carbon, um, Is there any way for these constitutional, state constitutional amendments to move us in that direction or are these kind of orthogonal? Thanks so much.
4: Yeah, no, I think the social cost of carbon is very important in a lot of forums, but you wouldn't explicitly include that in a green amendment. We can't include all the details. Like every Bill of Rights provision, we need to keep it broad so it covers everything. But because many Green Amendments specifically include the right to a stable climate, and because all Green Amendments include language and placement that allows us to get to the climate issue, it can most certainly be value added in advancing those kinds of critical strategies.
1: Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Jeffrey, very quickly, please, Jeffrey.
7: All right. All righty. Uh- I guess got a I know I also got a question in the if we do represent us, but uh, okay, here's my question. Here's my thing that I want to say to you. I like I like what you're propose, proposing, uh, Maya Ma, 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 right? Yep. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. I'm working on a game that can help get more people to invo- involved in this in what we're doing doing, especially the green stuff, green 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 economy and all that. So I thought maybe you might wanna lend your assistance and help out. Okay, so if we- you- Jeffrey, feel free new-
4: to get in touch. I'm always open to good ideas. Thank okay. you, Jeffrey. Much
1: appreciated. Thank you for that, Amaya. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And um, you know, this idea of a green amendment is 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 very good. And I hope people will get your book. Does anyone else have a question for Wendy, Amaya, before we rock and roll? And and Akili, it's great Dad, that you chimed in. We have a ton of people in Los Angeles um, who can work with you on your on your campaign for the assembly. Uh, I also knew Tom Hayden. He was, um, I went to the University of Michigan as I did and he was an amazing guy. So any friend of Tom Hayden's is a friend of, uh, a friend of our calls. Okay. And you should be in touch with Dick and Sharon, by the way, uh, at progressive.com. Uh, they're at their very influential uh, um, uh, website
3: can I also chime in and say I I worked with the farm workers in Delano in 1965 at the beginning of the grape strike and perhaps we, I don't know when you were there Baba, but perhaps we were there together and um, I really look forward to uh, working with you and I hope uh, that we'll be in touch
0: Was there an Adam Was there an Eve Or did we evolve From what we conceived Either way, we got what we needed When the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden